You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. Hear these words from the scripture. They come from Luke, and it is chapter 24, verses 28 through 35. As they came near the village to which they were going, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, it's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me this morning, family, as we wrestle with the idea and the concept of divine encounters. Divine encounters. Lord God, thank you for the grace that fills this room. Thank you for the grace that filled those notes that just flooded our hearts and our minds. Thank you for the grace, Lord God, that has shown up in lyrics that have been sung this morning, in prayers that were prayed even before any of us walked into these doors. Thank you for the grace that abounded in moments where accidents were avoided this morning, God. Thank you for the grace that moved as hellos and hugs and handshakes were exchanged. Thank you for the grace that is present in our breathing in and our breathing out. And may that grace, Lord God, perfect us in love. May that grace perfect us in love. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. And so as our music team begins to navigate to their seats, I'd like for you to carefully watch each step that they take. I know they're like, Pastor T, what you, like, we've been in front of everybody already. Now you are having them watch us walk. But I'm asking you to watch their steps because as I think about these two disciples 
who the text just describes as two disciples. I'm, I'm thinking about their walk. I'm thinking about their journey. Yet I'm also thinking about our walk. I'm thinking about our journey. As we enter our text, we find the book of Luke telling the story of, of two disciples of Jesus who found themselves in the midst of a, of a divine encounter that stirred wonder, it stirred confusion, it stirred angst, it stirred awe, and it stirred blessing. They were walking along the road to Emmaus, and they encountered one who seems to be a stranger, but yet his presence felt familiar. They encountered one who seemed to have no idea about their struggles and their trials, yet they find that they can confide in this one that they were encountering. They were searching and seeking understanding about what God was doing and they were searching and seeking in front of one who seemed like a stranger. But then God showed up and said that I am with you. And then they were inspired to go and tell others who needed to hear that story. These two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus, a word that means warm wells. They talked about how their hearts just burned with fire, which I think we can also think about as their spirits being stirred by a holy fire. And as we think about their spirits being stirred by a holy fire, just think about those that we sometimes have encounters with that if we were truly looking for a word to describe it, we would describe it as divine because of the way that our hearts are warmed. Joey, when I talked with your mother and father last week, my heart was warmed. And as I thought about conversations we've had in getting to know one another about moving and then talking to your mother and her, just telling her story, warming my heart. Joy, I count that as a divine encounter. Now that's my one story of a divine encounter right there as I was standing to the right of that rug right there but I'm sure that there are many of us who could think about spots where we have stood in this sanctuary, spots where we have sat in a restaurant, spots where we have sat in someone's home, spots where we were just walking along the way and we had a divine encounter where our hearts burned with fire. And as we dive into this text, I would say in a very real or metaphorical sense, as we think about these disciples, these two disciples and, and their encounter, their divine encounter, 
as they were moving, because they were going from Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they were, they were just thinking about all sorts of things that were happening. I, I, I want to just assert this morning that I think the idea even of these disciples walking and whether or not they demanded it or were seeking it, it's almost as if they were on a vision quest. On a vision quest caused by the things that were stirred up in their lives. You know, our Native American siblings describe vision quests as, as rituals often involving a journey where individuals are seeking answers to difficult questions in different and difficult times. And, and these answers are meant to give an individual greater clarity that not only benefits them, but, but ultimately benefits the entire community. And it's not uncommon for these vision quests to be taken during times of challenge or difficulty where only a divine revelation can see both the individual and the people through the struggles and difficulties that they are encountering. And let's just position ourselves. We, we, we celebrated Easter two weekends ago. But if we can, just as we watched our music team walk from here to their seats, let our minds walk back two millennia ago. Let our minds walk back to what it must have been like to have walked with Jesus day by day, to have one's life transformed by being in the presence of Jesus day by day, to have one's life shifted and one's perspective shifted seeing miracles to have one's life shifted, one's perspective shifted by seeing provision show up when it seems that there is nothing but scarcity. To have one's perspective shifted when healing shows up, when everybody else who was an authority said that healing would never come. To have one's perspective shifted as simply being in the presence of Jesus made things all right, even with the chaos and the confusion that may have surrounded, even with the chaos and the confusion that may have been going on within. And so, as we walk our minds back to that time and think about what they must have been processing emotionally and mentally and spiritually, we can almost be certain that they were processing the way that their teacher and their leader, the one whom they thought was their redeemer, had died on the cross. They were probably processing the fact that people they trust was saying that his tomb was empty and his body was nowhere to be found, yet they found their imagination being stretched in ways. Whereas I kind of 
jokingly said last week when we were talking about Thomas, and Chelsea, you don't have to lift your hand this time. They were in that Missouri mindset of show me, show me, show me. But I also remind you, Chelsea, that by the time we rolled it out, almost everybody in here was lifting their hands saying, show me, show me, show me. That's what they were, were enduring. They were probably processing the fact that they had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had seen him control natural elements with supernatural power. But then it seemed like the same natural things that take everybody else out were the same things that took him out. The backbiting of people. The distrust of systems. The inability of people to see with the grand division. All of that that they felt like was holding them back seemingly held him back and placed him in a tomb. So I wonder, just maybe, were they thinking, what do we do with our lives now? Maybe they were thinking, what will happen not only to us, but to the other disciples? Um, maybe they were even thinking, if we say that we walk with him and follow him and still believe in him, I, will we too meet the same fate that our Lord and Savior met? Is that our lot in life as well? But then there's an irony in the text that I alluded to last week that they're walking. <laughs> you know, and it's funny how when you can look at the text and you know who the characters are and they're walking and Jesus essentially asked them, you know, kind of like what's been going on around here? Has anything interesting happened? Now that's my paraphrase. And they look at him and say, what do you mean has anything happened? Do you know the one who was our Lord and Savior was died and he was, and he was crucified and da 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 and, and I can just imagine them looking at this seeming stranger saying, don't, don't you know what just happened? And, you know, I often think that God has an amazing sense of humor. And I'm sure that the Lord was looking at them saying, well, I, I mean, I kind of know a few things have happened. <laughs> but won't you tell me? But isn't it interesting that part of the fire that stirred up before he broke the bread and they realized it was him was a fire that was stirring up because they were still telling the story even in the midst of their struggle. They were still thinking on the one who had been with them even in the midst of all the chaos. Something in their hearts, maybe it was that seed, that incorruptible seed that James read for us in that text as we were reflecting on, 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 on the word for us this morning from the book of 1 Peter. Maybe it was something in them that was staring up to help them remember. Maybe it, was, maybe it was the resonance of time in the presence of the Spirit of God that was stirring. That in this moment of confusion, this moment of bewilderment, this moment of consternation, this moment of searching also led to a moment of beauty that we understand 
we're in the midst of a divine encounter. Eastside, I submit this morning that we are in the midst of a divine encounter. And I look at the disciples in this text, and I'm thankful for how they speak to us about the practicality of, of what it means to be caught up in the midst of a divine encounter. You see, the disciples, with all that had happened, with all of this contradiction that was facing them, they were wrestling with ways that they were still called to follow God and, 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 and be in tune with the leading of God in, in life's most difficult circumstances. See, they were wrestling with, with, with hopes and fears that were still resonating. They were wrestling, they were wrestling with between this, this idea of faith and doubt. They, they, they were wrestling with how life and death seemed to be bound together so tightly that life itself won't allow us to pull them apart. And then, and then, And I'd love for you to utter those two words with me. And then. And then. And then they had a divine encounter. They had a divine encounter with God where they began to realize that God is actually walking with them through the valley of the shadow of death. They have this divine encounter where they realize as they seek goodness and mercy to order the days of their lives. You know, and when you say stuff like that, I always wonder whose mind goes to the soap opera. Okay, there were a few. Can I see the hands that went? Can I see the, can I see the hands whose minds went to the soap opera? Oh, <laughs> I'm not picking on you. I'm not, I'm not. That means we're in tune. We're in tune. <laughs> they, yes, they realize as they seek goodness and mercy in order to order the days of their lives that goodness and mercy have actually been following them all of the days of their lives. And they understand this because of the divine encounter that they had with the Lord. Yet it's interesting because I know, I know, I know, I'm not guessing on this one. I know because of your testimonies that there are individuals in this room who can speak of and, and, and give God glory for divine encounters that you've had amongst one another in this room. So I, I know, I know, I'm not asserting, I know that because I've heard you tell me your story that, that you've had divine encounters with one another, that you had divine encounters with the Lord through one another. Yet still, just like the disciples were wrestling, I'm sure we all wrestle. Some of us wrestle like with the writhing and turning emotionally. Some of us have full out WWE knockdown, drag out fights with God in the midst of our wrestling. We do, we do. And I think of the disciples and I'm thankful for their testimony 
Because, yeah, they wrestled with thoughts of fear and inadequacy. And I'm sure so do we at times. They wrestle with pain and loss. And I know that so do we wrestle with pain and loss. They wrestle with, with walking by faith. They wrestle with walking in love. They wrestle with walking and trusting their moments of clarity. They, they, they wrestled with, with sitting in expectations of God's good. They wrestled with yielding their will to God's will so that they could be a part of God's greater good. And guess what? I think sometimes so do we. Yet, with all of the things with which they wrestle and all of the things with which we wrestle, God was still there. God is still there. God is here walking with us, whispering words like believe, whispering words like hold on. God is here whispering words like trust even when it's not clear. God is here whispering words like I'm big enough for any question that you ask. I just ask that you open your mind and your heart broad enough to receive my answers. God is still here saying, experience my goodness, experience my protection, experience my provision, experience my abundance, experience my healing, experience my favor, experience me planting seeds of sacred hope in your heart and in your mind, experience me pricking your consciousness so that you move into and walk with a wholeness that reminds you just how much I love you and even when it seems like I am not there, even when it seems that you are alone, recognize that sometimes I was literally walking with you. Other times, I was literally carrying you so that you could recognize that I have been here all the while. For these two disciples were wrestling with difficult questions and they thought that they were all alone they thought that they had then encountered this unusual stranger to find out that the stranger was the one who knew them when they were being knit in their mother's womb. And the stranger had shown up to show them 
that I am with you all the days of your life because your life, in fact, is one extended metaphor of divine encounters. Not just one metaphor bracketed within a set of parentheses and it's just that's the moment of divine encounter. Not just one metaphor bracketed within one sentence and that's divine, the divine encounter. But an extended metaphor of a life story of divine encounter after encounter that is our encounter with God. And so this week, and I will send this back out through video because I'm going to run a list to close this. This is the seven-day divine encounter challenge. Over the next seven days, I encourage us to think about divine encounters that are a part of this script of our life. I encourage us to think of the Holy Spirit as the divine editor coming in to remind us of the goodness of God flowing in every aspect of our walk. So on Monday, tomorrow, on day one of this seven-day divine encounter challenge, I ask that on Monday we meditate on the meaning of life in Christ. Sit for a moment. At some point tomorrow, meditate on the meaning of life in Christ. What does it mean for you to have divine encounters where you are, are, are seeing Christ around you? You're feeling the spirit of Christ moving within you. What does that mean for you on Monday? Then on Tuesday, I want you to want us to think about time spent with the Lord. How do we even think about thinking about our time spent with the Lord? Do we how do we hear God when we center in prayer? How do we hear God or see God when we simply say, Lord, just, just show me how you want me to show up? On Tuesday, think about time spent with the Lord and, 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 and how it moves us from Tuesday into Wednesday. And on Wednesday, I ask that we wait with wonder to hear God's voice. Can we wake up on Wednesday morning with wonder, with, with, with a sense of awe already stirring up in us saying, God, not only let me hear your voice, but God, let me encounter you and the people that I will meet in my walk on this day. And then as we move from Wednesday to Thursday, on Thursday, I'm just hoping on Thursday that we will pause and take time to be thankful. You know, you may have ever, have you ever heard the phrase, um, Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, count your many blessings, count your many blessings. I'm hoping that on Thursday we'll take time to be thankful and count our many blessings. Count the breath that we're breathing, count the movement of our limbs, count the way that our minds are able to think, count the ways that we may be able to, to, to get up and move about, count the ways that if we can't get up and move about on our own, that there's someone there to help us get up and move about, count the fact that, that maybe there's a roof over our head, count the fact as a blessing that, that maybe we can, we, we have the ability 
ability to provide for ourselves and maybe provide for others. Count the fact that, that we're engaged with someone in community. Count the fact that someone is dependent on us. Count the fact that we can depend on someone. Count the fact that, that there is going to be someone who is going to look us in the eye that day and say hello and ask how we're doing and they're actually going to pause and wait to see if we will respond. Count the fact as a blessing that somebody, we might ask them, how are you doing? And if we really wait, they may engage us in a moment where we might say, whoa, this feels like too much information, but I did ask and God, you placed me here. So I'm going to listen and be with you as you are with us all. Notice that I just named about 10 blessings already that just simply come from being. So on Thursday, we take time to be thankful so that maybe on Friday, we will engage in fellowship with friends that bring us joy. Yes, fellowship with friends that bring us joy. And now I know it could feel counterintuitive that on Friday at the end of the week, the pastor's talking about fellowship with friends on Friday because we know how fellowship with friends on Fridays can go. And I see some folks laughing and testifying with me. But for real, on Friday, take some time to call someone. Take some time to maybe do lunch with someone. Take some time, that, that dinner that you've been putting off and saying, I've just got too much to do. Take some time on this Friday and fellowship with friends and or family. I'm trying to see the looks when I said the and or family there, because that's always interesting too. But the point is fellowship on Friday so that on Saturday, we realize that we've been walking through a week where we have been blessed to see the sacred everywhere in the people we encounter and the circumstances around us. Maybe when we break bread with family or friends on Friday, we will see the presence of the Lord the same way the disciples saw the presence of the Lord when they broke bread with the Lord at the table. And so that brings us back to next Sunday. Next Sunday, if you can't walk in with any other testimony, I ask that next Sunday when you walk in and you think about the extended metaphor of your divine encounter with God, that if you can't do anything else that you, and normally I would say we, but I do mean we when I say you, but I want to emphasize it because I'm speaking in second person to offer a word of encouragement. When you come in here next Sunday, I implore you, I encourage you, I ask from the bottom of my heart, that you speak well next Sunday. Speak well of the blessing that is your life. Come in here next Sunday. And even if you're not with us next Sunday and you're somewhere else, speak well of the blessing 
that is your life. You and I, we have been blessed to live out the extended metaphor of a divine encounter of life in God, life with God, and life with one another. And if we can live into that story and tell that story, the kingdom of God will expand. And folks, other than the ones that we're seeing when we look across this room, will also be able to say, thanks be to God for my divine encounter. God bless you, family. The seven-day challenge is on its way. Amen. Good morning, friends. My name is James. I use he and him pronouns, and I am a member here at Eastside Church. I've been invited this morning to lead us in the prayers of the people. As I pray this morning, you may at times hear me say the words, Lord, in your mercy, I invite you to respond with, hear our prayers if you feel so called by the Spirit. Friends, will you now bow your heads or take any reflective posture and join me in prayer. Gracious God, we know that there are those out there in this room, in this neighborhood, in the broader community who may feel like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, confused, dejected, feeling defeated, May those who feel this way in our congregation, in our neighborhood, in our community, may they have a divine encounter with you. May they find you on the road. May they break bread with you. May they experience the love that is in the risen Messiah. God, we give you thanks for this congregation. We give you thanks for the amazing people that make up this community of believers and seekers and questioners. We know that the itinerant ministry system of the Methodist church can sometimes be shocking, confusing. To those who are not familiar with it, as we enter this time of transition, we just ask that you would bless this community, that you would provide us with wisdom, courage, compassion. God, we give you so much thanks for Pastor T and the time that he has spent with us for his incredible gifts of preaching and ministry. We ask that you bless him and his family as they move into their next calling We also ask you to allow us to open our arms and our hearts to Reverend Elaine as she comes in and begins her ministry with this congregation. Lord, we know that change is never easy. It's never simple. Yet, 
we know that in trusting and following your plan, great things can and will happen for this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we turn our thoughts to the neighborhood around us, this community of East Atlanta, we give you thanks for its incredible diversity, for the display of unity in all people that is present on its streets and in its bars and businesses and restaurants. Lord, we also know that there is incredible disparity of wealth and access to resources in this neighborhood. May we, as we travel outside these doors, look upon all of our neighbors, regardless of whether they are wealthy or challenged for resources, whether they live in a beautiful new reconstructed home or make their home outside, whether they are safe and healthy or whether they are struggling with addiction. May we look on no one with pity or disgust. May we see all of our neighbors as your children, as your creation. May we look on them with love. May we continue to lobby those in government for policies that bring a more compassionate and just city, state, county. Lord, we just ask these things because we know that true equity is part of your plan for the world. Lord, in your mercy are our prayers. Lord, as we turn our thoughts to our country, we think about the continuing prevalence of laws, proposed laws that target those who express a gender identity different than the one they were assigned at birth. We know these laws do incredible violence to your creation. We know that they are harmful, they are hurtful. And yet we weep as they are proposed, as they are put forward in your name. We know that the use of state power to target the marginalized, the unprotected is the antithesis of your gospel. And we ask that those who mistakenly pursue these policies in your name or non-mistakenly use this fear as a way to advance their own quest for power might have their hearts and their minds changed to pursue policies of justice and love instead of hate, division, and hurt. Lord, we look on the continuing epidemic of gun violence in this country with broken hearts. We ask that you would turn swords into plowshares, that you would open the minds of our leadership to pursue policies that lessen the availability of instruments of violence. We ask that you would do these things so that we might have a more just, peaceful, and equitable society. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 
Lord, as we look at the world, our heart breaks for the continued military action in Ukraine. Our heart breaks for the civil war in the Sudan, for the people fleeing, the violence there, for the continued prevalence of trafficking, exploitation, child labor, child soldiery. Lord, these things make us cry out for justice and equity. We ask that you continue to work in this world, that you make us instruments of your kingdom of peace and equity, and that in this in-between time, you provide comfort to those who are afflicted. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, we also know that in the midst of all of the challenges, there is great joy in the resurrected Messiah. There is great love and community and peace in the resurrected Messiah. May we always look to the empty tomb for hope, for love, for peace, for community. May we strive day in, day out to live your gospel of true love, true justice, and true equity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Friends, I now invite you into a time of silent reflection, silent communion, silent confession, Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. And now, as a forgiven people of the resurrected Messiah, I invite you to rise and share peace and greetings with your fellow congregants this morning, invite those online to share greetings in the chat. Peace be with you, friends. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise again for everything this morning? Hallelujah. And I ask if we could please stand as we prepare for our benediction and know that as we stand that God is standing with us. Know that God is going before us Know that as we lift our hands in this posture of giving and receiving, that goodness and mercy have indeed been following us all the days of our lives. Lord God, in that spirit, we ask that you go with us into the world. We ask that you come alive in our hearts where our hearts are on fire for you and on fire for the divine encounters that we have with all of your people. Use our hands and our feet use the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouth as a vessel through which you will show up and show yourself strong in all of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go in love and go in peace, family. Hallelujah.
hope that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.